father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious! Lightsabers, precious. The Star Wars and Lord of the Rings encyclopodcast about wasting time on fictional wikis. I'm Ryan. And I'm Joanna. Thank you for tuning in to this, our second monumental episode. Number two. Number two. We're actually very pleased with the response that we got to number one. You guys were very kind. Yes, very nice comments. Thank you for listening. We appreciate the outpouring of support. Especially considering how stupid that episode was. Remember, this is all free. We're doing this for free. That's true. You guys should all remember that, too. Free free. facts? We don't owe you anything. In this economy? Frankly. So, Joanna, what are you going to teach me today about the world of the Middle Earth? Well, first, let's review what we discussed last week. We discussed Arda. Oh, do I have to... Okay. What's Arda? It's the planet, the world, and everything. Yes, it is. The world and all that's in it. Yes. Now, last week, you might remember, we mentioned the Ainur. Yes. And the Ainur's music is what created Arda, the world. Yeah. Well, today we're going to talk about a specific subset of the Ainur called the Valar. And the Valar are 14 powerful Ainur who took physical form and lived in Arda. Well, you think it'd be time to buckle up, just jumping right into it. Oh, yeah, no. Okay. Not wasting any time here. We're getting down to brass tacks. Tolkien was an enthusiast of world mythologies. Well, yes, clearly. And so, as we talk about these Ainur, you'll quickly realize that a lot of them are rough analogs to gods that you would find elsewhere in mythology. Okay. I imagine there's probably some kind of trickster god. Maybe a god of love. Keep in mind, the operative word here is rough. Rough analogs. Oh, let's see how much you can rough those archetypes up. All right. So, it all started with Iluvatar. Iluvatar is the capital G god of Arda. Big G. The big G, Iluvatar. Iluvatar. Also called Eru. Also called the Allfather. Like Odin. Exactly like Odin. Yes, I told you. He was a student of world mythologies. And... Aluvatar created the Ainur, and the Ainur's music created Arda. So after they dropped some sick beats and the world was created, 14 of the Ainur Mm -hmm. decided to come to Earth, and they became known as the Valar. Now, when they first came to Earth, they originally lived on a special island that was called the Isle of Almorin, but they didn't live there that long. Why not? Well, it was destroyed. By who? Well, I'm going to get to that in a little while, but it's somebody we've heard about already. Is it my boy Morgoth? We'll see. Anyway, after the Isle of Almarin was destroyed under means that we will discuss at a later point in time, the Valar moved to Valinor. It's like it's named after them. It's almost like that. Yeah, so Valinor, if you remember, is... Undying Lands. The Undying Lands, where all the elves... Plus Frodo and Bilbo went at the end of Lord of the Rings. And yeah. Sam went there later, too. Of these uh, 14 Valar, eight were considered the mightiest. And we'll focus on those because, to be honest, there's not a ton going on with the other six. I feel bad for those ones. I mean, when you hear the powers of the other six, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that's not very mighty. I, I just suppose. feel like it's a bit of discrimination. We'll see. I, I, I mean, <laughs> as we'll get to later, <laughs> a lot of things in Arda are rather discriminatory. Okay. <laughs> just wait. I'm excited. I, too, get excited about discrimination. Yeah. Hooray. The names I'm going to be using to describe these eight almighty Valar are the names they were called in Valinor. However, it should be noted that they had different names in Middle-earth. Who, uh? 
Yes, and this is because the elves of Middle-earth, especially by the Third Age when Lord of the Rings took place, were generally speaking a different language than the elves of Valinor. Oh, no. Okay. They were speaking Sindarin, uh-huh. as opposed to the elves in Valinor who spoke Quenya. Which one did you learn? I learned Quenya. Quenya is like elf Latin, and it's a whole lot easier than Sindarin. That's like deep nerd stuff. Like, Well, because that's the basis of Sindarin. If you learn that, it's well, easier like, to learn Sindarin later on. Like learning Latin to better understand English and such like that. Right? Sort of, yeah. yeah. So, yes. So they had different names in Middle-earth, but we'll only really talk about that in passing today. All right. All right. So, King of Arda. Number one valor. Yeah. Manwe Sulemo. Manwe Sulemo. Yes. Is that one word? Nope. That is two words. First word, Manwe. Second word, Sulemo. Manwe Sulemo. Okay, tell me about Manwe Sulemo. Well, he was the Zeus of the group, if we're going to uh, use a more commonly referenced mythology. Okay. Lightning God? No. In fact, commander of the winds and air. He lives on the highest of all mountains in Valinor. Mount Olympus. Taniquetl. Oh, Taniquetl. Taniquetl. I'm actually going to link to a map in the description for this podcast, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to see where Tanaquetel is and then some of the other locations that I'll mention. There's not a ton to say about Manwe. It's kind of like when the main character in a movie is the least interesting one. Yeah, like Leonardo and the Ninja Turtles or something. Yeah, or Harry Potter and Harry... Ooh, we better, we better cut that ooh, out. Ooh, we ooh. better cut That's that it. out. No, we're going to leave it in, Joanna. That's a little bit too much You're going to stand by bomb. that. Oh, God. You're going to stand by that opinion. What a shame our podcast has ended almost before it's begun. We're just saying it'd be a better series if it was about Hermione instead. Anyway, King Manwe. Now, his wife, Varda Elentari, I think is more interesting. She is the greatest of the queens of the Valar. So, okay. okay. And her name means Star Queen. Elantari literally translates to Star Queen. I actually thought about changing my last name to Elantari legally. <coughs> because you laugh. I snort. Yes. It would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's cool. It's real cool. All right. But Let's take you out of this hole. Okay. So she's the Star Queen. <laughs> creator of the stars. Oh. And for that, she is especially revered by the elves of Middle-earth. I bet they're really... We're just in- so into stars, guys. In Middle-earth, Varda Elentari was called Elbereth. Okay. The reason I bring this up is because in Lord of the Rings, there's a relatively well-known poem called A Elbereth Gitonio. Of course. Or Hymn of the Elves of Rivendell. Naturally. And what a treat for you. I'm going to recite the first part of it now. Oh, boy. My favorite part of Lord of the Rings. Now, the songs. Poems. Everybody loves the constant (laughs) poems, right? Yes. And this is in Sindarin, which I never learned. So my pronunciation is probably way off. I apologize, except I don't, because, again, we're doing this podcast for free, and we don't owe anything to anybody. Sorry for all you elves out there who are going to send us angry emails about the pronunciation. I mean... We trashed Harry Potter a little bit earlier, so I think that's the bigger issue we're facing now. Oh, I feel feel, feel bad for, like, the the elves who are really into Harry Potter who are listening to this podcast. Oh, they've already switched off. Switched off, chucked their radio out the nearest window. They're done. Oh, they're... No, they ain't having angry letters, I'd like this... People are listening to this on the radio, you think? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I suddenly got this image of... Oh, typey radio! Talking about Lord of the Rings! Double-team ads, like, in between. Yes, yes. No, Stay tuned! Sorry. Let's read this poem. All right. A Elbereth Giltoniel, Silivren Penna Miriel, O Menel Aglar Elenath, Nachered Palandiriel, O Galed Remmin Ennorath, Fanwilos Lelinathon, Nef Air, Sinef Aragon. Beautiful. Which translates as 
O. Elbereth, star kindler, white glittering, slanting down, sparkling like a jewel, the glory of the starry host, having gazed far away from the tree-woven lands of Middle-earth. To thee, ever white, I will sing, on this side of the sea, here on this side of the ocean. That's very nice. You might be asking... I might be asking, why does it sound like anime theme song lyrics? Translated into English. That actually wasn't the question I was anticipating. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you're right. I can't argue with that. The reason I bring it up is because in the original, there's a word used, Ennorath. Ennorath means from Middle Earth, and it's an inflected version of Ennor, which means Middle Earth in Sindarin. All right. That word, in turn, is derived from the original Quenya word for Middle Earth, which is... Oh, my God. I'm really excited to tell you this. Endor. Ooh! Yes! The connection! The connection! Our well, fan theory, our viral fan theory. I have more to that fan theory, I'll add to it later, but that blows the case wide open. Yes, and if you listen at the end of Lord of the Rings to the song that Aragorn sings at his coronation... They had Yubnub in there. Yeah, lots of Yubnubs. <laughs> I mean, that, that part's obvious, but aside from the Yubnubs... Okay. He says Endorena, means to Middle-earth. Wow. So we can presuppose that Ewoks become hobbits. Or the other way around. Oh, you mean that's true because Ewoks presumably take place after Hobbits, temporally. Yub-nub. Yub-nub indeed. I was very excited to tell you that. that. Good, that's big news. Okay, anyway, so that, is this all still part of Varda? That's all still part of Varda, but we're moving on now. Okay. To Olmo. Olmo. Edward James Olmo. Edward James Olmo. And you can think of Olmo as the Poseidon of the group. You know, every group of friends has a Poseidon. <laughs> yeah, in your group of friends, who's the Poseidon? Oh, me. Oh, I totally. Absolutely Lord me. of the Seas, it's you. I'm crabby. I father illegitimate Cyclops. So who's the Samantha, then? Mm. Anyway, that's, tell, tell me about this Olmo Poseidon. He's almost Poseidon, but not quite. His special province is the Waters of the World, and he is the only one among the Valar who does not live in Valinor. Where does he live? Instead, he lives in the deeps of the ocean. Well, I should have predicted that. Almo's main role in this story is that he reluctantly brought the elves to Valinor after they awoke in Middle-earth. Why was he reluctant about it? I can't actually remember, but I think they just looked weird. Does he not look... Okay, wait a minute. So these... Valar. Yes. Do they not look like humans and elves and such? Typically they do. They can incarnate that way. I mean, they're spirits. Okay. They can choose what they look like. I see. But to Olmo, pointy-ear humans are too weird for him. Uh, Yeah. Too much. Just too much. Those ears are way too pointy. I mean, maybe the Valar made themselves extremely hot. I thought elves were already that way, And the elves just couldn't quite live up to that. Well, imagine elves, but like... Hotter. I can't. Mortal Imagine Legolas, but like so hot that it just instantly disintegrates your clothes. Can't be done. That's basically Olmo. Wow, almost a hottie. So he reluctantly brought them from Middle-earth because, contrary to what you might expect, elves did not first awaken in Valinor. They awoke in Middle-earth. Okay. And the way Olmo brought them to Middle-earth after much cajoling from the other Valar is... There was an island in between Middle-earth and Valinor called Eresea. He moved it over to Middle-earth. Oh. All the elves climbed aboard. Yeah. And then he moved it back over to Valinor. So he literally took this island and it was like... Like across the sea. She's drawing a line in the air with her hand. The elves got on and there was like... Conveyor belt. Oh, that is Over to Valinor. I love that. They hopped off. That's the way to travel. Yeah. 
Next up, we have Yavana Kementari. Yavana, tell me about it. Yavana, hear about it? I do. Says she was the giver of fruits. <laughs> okay. She's one of the mighty ones? Yes. She's all about fruits. No, she's not all about fruits. She was, in fact, in charge of all growing things upon the oh, earth. Oh, okay. Agriculture in general. Yes. Okay. Now, unfortunately, this feels a bit sexist, but her main claim to fame is that she was the spouse of Aule the Smith, who is extremely important for several reasons. So I'm just going to move on directly to him. Well, that's sexist of you, isn't it? Well, I mean, there's just not that much more to say about her because Tolkien didn't write about her extensively. He wrote more about Aule the Smith, the builder and inventor of the Valor and most concerned with rock and metal. And rock and roll. The most metal of all the Valar cool. was Aula the Smith. What did he build? Well, he built living creatures. <gasps> They're not made of metal. Oh, just wait till you hear this hot tea. Okay. While waiting for elves and men to wake up, Aula got a little overexcited, and he decided to make a race of his own. Whoa, Aula. And that race was? I would guess dwarves. It was, ding, 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 dwarves. They're all about smithing and mining and rocks and metal. Yes, so what this means was that technically, contrary to the machinations of Iluvatar, the dwarves were the firstborn of all races. Oh, cool. Dwarves are great. Dwarves are great. However, this didn't turn out well for them because Iluvatar got pissed. Yeah, he's like, what you doing? Yes. You can't make no people. Yes, exactly. He's like, Alan, dude, not what I told you to do. The elves gotta wake up first, because little known fact, Iluvatar was mad racist. Oh, he was an elf favoritism. Yes, loved elves, didn't quite know what to do with dwarves. I think it even says in the Silmarillion they look kind of ugly. Oh. And so, Alley said, all right, well, sorry, my dudes, it looks like I have to destroy you. Wait, what? Yep. So he went to destroy the dwarves. He rose up his hand to smite them. Yeah. And the dwarves all huddled together and looked really sad. Aww, the little beards all quivering. And they were all scared, doing yeah. their Horta impression. No kill I. No kill I. Then Al is like, oh, I, can't, I can't kill you. Look at those little faces. Those little dwarfy faces. And so he put them to sleep instead. Not put them to sleep as in euthanized. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> he just made them fall asleep. Okay. So he took them to the vat and... Sleepy dwarves. But yes. do dwarves remember that they woke up first? I don't... There were only seven of them. Oh, Dwarves don't really follow the religion of the elves, so I'm not mm. sure that it's common knowledge. So were the seven dwarves, was it like grumpy and sleepy and... No, but one of them was Durin the First. Ooh, Remember okay. Durin, big name in the dwarf community. Sure, I remember him, yeah. Founder of the dwarf lineage, so Durin the First was one of them. Cool. He's also important because he crafted the chain of Melkor. Cool. The chain of Melkor. You're putting your hand in the air, look, I should know what it is. Well... Maybe you know Melkor by another name? Morgoth? Oh, my boy! Yes, so there was one point where Morgoth was all chained up, and Aule was the one that created that chain, but we'll discuss that in a later episode. Oh, boy. Also, Aule's greatest pupil, Feanor, created the Silmarils. Is that the Silmarillion? Yes, the Silmarils are the jewels for which the Silmarillion is named. Now, the Silmarillion, for those of you who don't know, because I think I'm one of like <laughs> 15 people on the planet Earth that have bothered to read all the way oh, through come it. On. The Silmarillion is uh, the Bible, kind of. Okay. It's just sort of the, the mythology of Arda and Middle Earth. Very dense, very dry read. Recommended, though, if, if you're interested in some of this, because it goes into it in more detail. We will also discuss the Silmarils in a later episode. Okay. But there's one more thing I have to tell you about Aule because he had another protege. He's got a lot going on. Okay, tell me about Aule. Are you ready for this protege? Yeah. His name was 
Sauron. <gasps> Wait, yes. you mean Sauron was like a little blacksmith boy? He was. He was a wee little boy. He wasn't a boy. He was a Meyer, so... I'd imagine like a little boy like with a bunch of soot on his face and he's carrying like, I brought you your hammer, Mr. Owley. I brought it for you so you can hammer out a new dwarf. How about a hay penny, sir? How about a smile? Well, no, he was never a little boy because he was a spirit like the rest of the Ainur. Okay, so he was an assistant though. Yes, he was. He was a protege. After he was seduced by Morgoth, Sauron used the smithing skills he learned from Owlet to forge the One Ring. Oh my gosh, I guess that, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm, that's where he learned it. So really, Lord of the Rings, kind of Owlet's fault. A little bit. Shouldn't have taught Sauron to smith. But he also made dwarves who helped defeat Sauron. He did. End of the day, it came, it, it balanced out, I More think. pluses in the column than yeah, yeah, minuses. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Owlet. Now, moving on to Mandos. Mandos. Mandos, hands of fate. Oh, Mandos. Let's hear about Mandos. He's the Hades of the group. Oh. The doomsman of the Valor, keeper of the slain in his halls in the I, west of Valinor. I just want to stop you. Doomsman? The Doomsman. That is a great title. Yes, it is. Well, Doom, it's, uh, what, it's from the old English word for judgment? Yeah, yeah. So it's judgment man. I think it'd be like a good, uh, kind of like a 50s band, but also like mixed with metal. With the Doomsmen. Or maybe it can be my last name instead of Elantari. Doomsman? Doomsman. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to change your last name? Uh, well, Brian do- and Joanna Doomsman. Oh, I really like that. Yeah. It's got a nice ring to I'll it, doesn't about, it? I'll think about it. All right. So Mandos oversaw the Halls of Waiting, which were also called the Timeless Halls, which were also called the Houses of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And this is where the spirits of the dead in Middle-earth were temporarily housed until they'd moved on to a new life in Valinor, if they were elves, or until they'd moved on to the Outer Sea to a mysterious realm beyond Arda that even the Valar didn't know about, and that's men. Okay, question. Yes. When Arda became a globe... Yes. What happened to the outer bit that the men went to? It's never specified. We really don't know anything about the outer bit. If the Valar don't know it, and they're literally gods... How the hell am I supposed to know? No clue whatsoever. The dwarves would also go to the Halls of Waiting, but since they weren't part of Iluvatar's original plan, no one really knows what happened to them after that. Maybe oh. they just waited forever. Oh no. I know. There could be dwarves down there still. Yeah. Just hanging Iluvatar out. Iluvatar was so racist. Aw. I really feel bad for dwarves. Yeah, they really do. I mean, you kind of understand, in Lord of the Rings, there's always this undergoing racial tension between dwarves and elves. Sure. And there's never an excuse for racism. However, you can kind of understand why dwarves would be a little pissed off. Yeah. Next, we have Nienna. And Nienna cried. And? Nothing. She just cried. Hold on. She just cried. Yeah. What... Did it, did it do anything? It did, in fact. It actually did. So, so Nienna is the, gr- the queen of grief and mourning. Okay. One of the things she liked to do was visit the halls of waiting and, and cry with the dead. But one especially important thing she did was she helped the two trees of Valinor to grow by crying all over them. Oh, her tears. Yeah, her tears watered them. That's so... She cried all over them trees. so beautiful. But, okay. If she's one of the top eight... Yes. These bottom six, they gotta be, like, worthless. Well, I, you're being a little harsh because one of Nienna's protégés, guess who it was? Sora. Gandalf. Oh, cool. Yes. Gan- I've never seen Gandalf cry. You definitely have. There's a part where a tear rolls down his cheek. He learned that from Nienna. All of his best crying techniques he learned from Nienna. At that time, when he was her protégé, 
Uh, he was a Maya, which is a second-tier Ainur, mm-hmm. called Oldorin. Later, he would travel to Middle-earth and go by the name Gandalf. All right. Finally, the last of the top eight, Orume, the Huntsman. All right. And he was the first to discover the elves after they woke up in Middle-earth. All right, so the other six Valar, really quick, because they don't come into the story that much, Lorien, Tolkis Astaldo, Este the Gentle, Vyra the Weaver, Vanna the Everyung, and Nessa. Okay. Those are the bottom six. One more thing I need to tell you. Originally, there was a 15th Valar. Who are they? This Valar was originally named Melkor. Oh. Later called Morgoth. Oh. The strongest being in Arda and equal in power to Manwe himself. And they were brothers in the oh. eyes of Iluvatar. Oh my gosh. Now, it says they were brothers in the eyes of Iluvatar. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know if that means that they were, like, somehow genetically related or if it was because... I mean, Iluvatar created all 14. I don't know why he's specifying that Manwe and Morgoth are brothers in his eyes. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they look really similar. It's it's possible. It's, I mean, in but, his but eyes, again, right? he's like, he says, they're spirits. These two look like brothers to me. No other beings existed, so I'm not sure why Iluvatar even had a concept of brothers. Shouldn't these all be brothers and sisters, all these gods? Yes, you would think. Okay. But for some reason it specifies that some were siblings and some were not. I don't understand. Don't ask me. I can't tell you. Morgoth was basically a dick from the beginning. He twisted the music of the Ainur. So he like, I don't know. He remixed it. Laid down some really... He chopped and screwed. Angry riffs and, uh, a- and, and introduced darkness to the world. Thanks, Morgoth. Well, wait, it gets worse. Remember I said that originally the Valar lived on the Isle of Almarin? Mm-hmm. Guess who destroyed that? I guess Morgoth. You were right, it was Morgoth. Yeah. Forcing the Valar to move to Valinor. Later, he stole the Silmarils, <sighs> those jewels we mentioned, and he destroyed the two trees of Valinor, <sighs> which we will discuss in a future episode. Because of his misdeeds, he is no longer counted among the Valar. He's probably the closest thing to a Loki equivalent, except where Loki is often fun and mischievous, Morgoth's just a dick. I came up with a game. Oh boy. It's like the game that they play sometimes in celebrity interviews, where you have to choose who you want to marry, who you want to kill, and who you want to have relations with. But I don't want to swear on this podcast, so we're going to call it Kiss, Marry, Kill. That's cute. Yeah. I want you to tell me, out of all eight of these Valar, who would you marry, who would you kill, and who would you give a big ol' smooch? A big ol' smooch. Let's see. All right. I want to kiss Aule. You want to kiss Aule the Smith? Why? Because he made dwarves, and dwarves are great. Would you kiss a dwarf? Yeah. I think his beard would be kind of prickly. That's okay. You'd also have to stoop. It's okay. Okay. I'm going to kiss all up on that owlet. Yeah, then maybe I can, like, if I kiss him, I'd be like, listen, that Sauron boy you have walking around, the little little page boy with the scuffy face who's carrying your hammers around, don't trust him. He's bad news. Oh, me, Mr. Owlet, I'm totally trustworthy. Who are you smooching over there? No no one, no one. You know, just, I was going to give him a little warning, just, like, put it in his, put it in his head. Okay, that's smart. That's yeah. smart. I see what you're saying, but don't you think that you would have more clout if you were married to him? I think it's best if it's like a one and done. Like kind of like that emotional bond is created. Mm-hmm. And like a mysterious traveler just kind of like stops in his smithy and then, then leaves after a quick smooch. All right. It's your fantasy, so I'm not going to second guess it. I'm just trying to save the world, Joanna. I All wish right. you would understand that. Well, then who would you marry? I would marry uh, Niena. The one that cries all the time. Yeah. Okay, why? I think she's like a fixer-upper, right? I think I can make her life better. I think I could make her happy. I think you can change her. I think I can, I think I can make her stop crying. I think, I, I think she just doesn't have enough like 
positivity in her life. And I think I could be a force of good. You know, I know she's got some baggage. She obviously cries constantly. Now, this is making me slightly insecure. Oh, is it? Because I'm thinking, if that's your type... That's why I like you, baby. Why did you marry me? Because <laughs> you cried all the time. Because I cried all the time. And your, your, your tears made trees grow. And so I said, I can, I can, I can help I her. Do, I do have a habit of crying over trees and making yeah. them miraculously sprout. I do have that habit. It's like, I can help this girl. Oh, my God. I need to take a good long look in the mirror after this episode. Well, who are you going to kill? Orume. Now, why Orume? Why Orume? So... The hunter become the hunted. You just want to do it so you can say that phrase. I do, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Orme would be your most dangerous game. Absolutely. No more dangerous game than a Vadar. But then who's going to discover the elves after they wake up? They already know they're around. They don't! In fact, they don't. Well, Varda, she's an elves. Because Orme wanders, and he was wandering a hunting in Middle Earth, and that's when he found them. I bet some dwarves will find him. It's fine. All right. Okay. So these are very dwarf centric answers. I just, you know, I feel like very strongly about dwarves in this episode. Okay, Joanna, what, what's what's your uh, kiss Mary kill for these gods and goddesses? Well, I'm gonna smooch Varda. Why? She just sounds hot. You a star queen? Yeah, I think that's really cool. I'm just kind of imagining like a very romantic thing where she, because I'm assuming that the Valar are giant, like a giant. She'd be like a giant. Woman. A giant woman. Yeah. 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 And I just have this really cute image of her, like, scooping me up in her arms and then flying up into the stars, and we just, like, smooch in the stars. Aww. I think it'd be really cute. That'd be really romantic. It'd be like in Wally or something. Exactly. And I also just think that she'd be quite a looker. Yeah. For Mary, I'm gonna marry... I'm gonna marry Almo. Okay. Because... Because you're the Poseidon of your friend group. Because I'm the Poseidon of my friend group. Also, I can't swim, and so I figure if anybody could teach me... Well, if you're about to, like, you know, fall in a lake, you can just move an island over and catch you. Exactly. Anytime I need, he'll just, you know, move an island over the shore, I'll step on. Think of the money I'll save on all those cross-oceanic boat trips I take. All those ferry rides. All those ferry rides. On those steam liners. In this economy. You'd be a handy guy to have around. Definitely. I, you're not going to like this answer. Okay. I would kill Niena. My beautiful wife. Because she just... She needs to be put out of her misery. Yeah, maybe. That's all she's known for is crying. And she lives by herself on the western borders of the world. It's... Are you saying you would kill her because no one would know? Because she's... Nobody would know. It's the perfect crime. It's exactly. Like... There's it's no cold. one to hear her scream. <laughs> she's miserable anyway. Yeah. I think it's the perfect crime. Yeah, so those are my answers. Good, good answers. Good game. So now we're on to the Star Wars segment of our PCAST. Oh, I can't wait. This was so much fun last week. It was going to be fun again. I knew that you were going to do these kind of gods and goddesses, so I went kind of a religious angle this week as well. We're going to learn about the Force. Oh, I know what that is. Tell me about it. Um, It lets you choke people without touching them. That's one thing it can do. What else? Push people without touching them. That's one thing it can do. What else? Pull lightsabers into your hand without touching them. Yep. Yep. What else? Mm, I don't think it does anything else. Well, then you've been watching the Star Wars movies very closely, because it does a lot of things. Well, tell me about them. Okay, well, I'm going to say about the Force to begin with. There's an old joke that my friends and I thought was very funny in elementary school. We were very into Star Wars. It goes a little something like this. Why is duct tape like the Force? Because it fixes everything! Well, it has a light side, it has a dark side, and it binds all things in the universe together. <laughs> That's not really a joke. That just sounds more sort of philosophical. It, I, we thought it was really funny. You guys... I thought that would go down a storm, but you're just like... <laughs> <laughs> such a, a grump about this wonderful elementary school joke. Okay. <laughs> it was, it just, it's just, it's not much of like 
like a punchline. It's very philosophical. Uh, I'm not even going to start on the canon side of Wikipedia. I'm jumping right into the legend side. All right, get right to the good stuff. That's the fun part. Okay. As we know. Let me read the first paragraph of The Force. Let me know if anything, uh, you know, disagrees with your worldview on what The Force represents to you. Here it goes. The Force, early known as the power of the cosmos by the Qua, was a metaphysical, spiritual, binding, and ubiquitous power that held enormous importance for both the Jedi and the Sith monastic orders. Known as the way in ancient times, the Force was viewed in many different aspects, including, but not limited to, the light side, the dark side, the living force, the unifying force, the cosmic force, and the physical force. Okay, what jumps out to me most is the word qua. Qua! I need to say qua. What's a qua? Okay, qua are these extended universe creatures. They're intergalactic species. They're kind of these lizard, uh, reptilian people that are, like, very tall. And they built the Infinity Gates. This is how they kind of, like, originally introduced technology to the galaxy. By using the Infinity Gates to travel between different worlds. Are those, like, the mass relays in Mass Effect? Yes. Okay. Yes. I can grasp it. Yeah, but this was in a comic series. I don't know how, like, strictly the claw fit into the uh, Star Wars canon. They kind of seeded a bunch of planets. They kind of cultivated their own species, kind of like the Valar a little bit, kind of uplifting them to high-level technology. But then those races would uh, all turn on them eventually and overthrew the claw, and they eventually devolved into the Kui, which are like these (laughs) blue dinosaurs, unintelligent blue dinosaurs. Wait, I'm sorry. So... So, because they weren't getting the respect that they deserved from the races they helped uplift... No, no, no. The, the races overthrew them. It was a big... It was a revolution. They uplifted all the primitive worlds of the galaxy that they could find. And those uplifted worlds eventually figured out, Hey, wait a minute. We're being used. And so they decided to overthrow the Qua. And as their empire fell over the millennia... Cause this is like 100,000 years before the Battle of Yavin, which takes place at the end of Episode 4, like with the Death Star and stuff. This is a long time before that. So over that time, they eventually devolved into the Kui. So do you think if we impeach Donald Trump tomorrow, he would evolve into a tiny blue dinosaur? He would evolve into a tiny orange uh, chimp, I think. I mean, one could say that... He already is! He already is! (laughs) (laughs) Political. Yeah, I, mean, Hot takes. I think I think he would. I think that's honestly what would happen. Okay, I just um, wondered if that happens to all sort of deposed politicians. Yeah, but I, I just Napoleon I, Bonaparte. People said he died of arsenic poisoning. He devolved. Into he devolved into a tiny blue dinosaur. A tiny blue dinosaur with a hand in his jacket. Yeah, and that is very what cute. So yeah, you got off traffic on the on the qua here. We digress from the main focus of the force. I want to describe some of the aspects of the Force. You kind of know some of them from the films, like the light side and the dark side. So, what do you think the light side represents? Luke Skywalker. And what about Luke represents the light side of the Force? Neat tricks. That's definitely a big part of it. Uh, It says here, the light side is known for compassion, selflessness, self-knowledge, and enlightenment, healing, mercy, benevolence, and sweet tricks. So it's all there. All right. Awesome. How about the dark side? How about, like, Darth Vader, Darth Maul, the Emperor? How how about those guys? Heavy breathing. Yeah. Mm, Flips. Mid-air flips. Okay. Also sweet tricks. Yeah, but in this case, they're evil sweet tricks. So basically the dark side is, you're saying, evil? Hatred, fear, covetousness, anger, aggression, jealousy, malevolence, and evil sweet tricks. That represents the dark side of the force. Oh, okay. So like, 
We're talking Emperor Palpatine. We're talking Grand Moff Tarkin. Not, not Tarkin's not a, a Force user. He's a regular Joe. Then what good is he? He's a bureaucrat. What does he even do apart from stand around and go fire when ready? Because he says it so good. You know, I, you know, I love me some Grand Moff Tarkin, but no, he is not a Force user. Force users, in particular, are Jedi and Sith and the Force sensitives, which are people like, for example, Princess Leia. It's a Force sensitive. She cannot. Use the Force, at least in the movies. In the books, there's a whole bit where she gets a lightsaber, comes a Jedi and stuff. It's very dumb. But in the movies, you might remember her communicating with Luke telepathically. Yes! Well, I thought that was just because they had a freaky twin thing. It's a freaky twin thing, but also a freaky Force thing. They have a... Because Force abilities and sensitivity can run in a family. It's hereditary. So that's why, you know, Anakin was very strong in the Force. His son, Luke, and his daughter, Leia, they're going to be strong in the Force. And all of Leia's and Han's kids are all Force-sensitive and become Jedis eventually. And, wow. And obviously in the new film series, Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, very strong in the Force. He can stop a laser with his hand. That's true, and he gets that from his mother? Uh, yeah. And, like, his, it's, you know, that's why he's so into his grandpa. So it can be passed on biologically. A lot of it has to do with the midichlorians, which I'm not going to talk about today. That's a whole other kettle of fish. Well, I know everybody hates them. Yeah, I'm saving midichlorians for another day. But you... You, when you mentioned what the Force was to you, you mentioned a lot of powers. Yeah, it's powers. They got powers. Yeah, when the Force is all about powers. When you learn the Force, you get some powers. You do. And Wikipedia has a, an immensely long article of all the different Force powers that have appeared in the Star Wars movies, books, comics, games, etc. And we're gonna, I want to go through some of them. Before I do that, I want to give an introduction to Force powers. Force powers were the manifestations of a Jedi, Sith, or other Force adept's connection with the Force, the energy field that binds everything in existence. They were supernatural abilities not described by scientists. Also, as a side note, it should be taken into account that the Force is not quote-unquote magic, nor does it have specific quote-unquote spells or quote-unquote powers. And they are far more interrelated than the list below might suggest. It does, they do have powers, though. I've seen them have powers. I've seen them but, do, like, sick flips in the air. And But after that, after just says, Force ain't magic, this sentence comes up. Alternatively, the Force was used as a form of magic by users <laughs> such as the Night Sisters, mind witches, and users of Sith magic and Sith alchemy. So basically, Wikipedia is saying, we don't know what the hell the it's Force is. It's magic until it's not magic. And, and it's not tricks, but it also is tricks. It's, it's also tricks. The Force powers come in three categories, control, sense, and alter powers. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list them off here okay. in my category. And I, I made it kind of fun, because I know lists just aren't fun by themselves, so... What I have done is I took the list of force powers and I've plucked from my mind's eye a fake one and inserted it into each list. And so I want you to figure out which one I stuck in that is not an actual force power. And if you have any questions about the individual powers as I list them, do ask. Do stop me. Okay, we'll start with the control list. Okay. Control powers. Alchaka. Art of movement. Breath control. Center of beam. Detoxify poison. Flash burn. Force body. Force enlightenment. Force Ghost, Force Healing, Force Muscle, Force Speed, Force Stealth, also known as Force Concealment, Hibernation Trance, Mori Tro, Tapas, and Cloak of Shadow. Okay, it's definitely Force Muscle is the fake one. You think so? Yes, I do. You don't think it's Tapas making small plates dishes from Spain? I did think that, but I think Tapas is like El Chaco, where they just threw in some foreign-sounding ones You're to right. sound Ta- more mystical. Tapas is remaining warm in a cold environment, and oh. El Chaco is ritual meditation. And you're right, my mind's eye one was Force Muscle. Force Muscle. If you were to ask me about it, I would say, oh, it's when a Jedi uses the Force to make his muscles, like, very strong. Joanna, you're good. You're one for one here. All right! Good job. Excellent. 
garden of my mind's eye, I plucked a flower and inserted it into the sense category as well. Sense. The sense category. Are you ready? Yes. Force listening. Force smell. Force taste. Force meld. Force sense. Precognition. Battle precognition. Shatterpoint. Psychometry. Force empathy. Farsight. Foresight. Force vision, telepathy, comprehend speech, and shadow vision. You have questions about any of those? Well, psychometry sounds like something that you'd learn about in a Scientology course. I mean, the force is Scientology, essentially. It's all about the, the midi-chlorians, the thetans inside your body. And... That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. That's another fan theory that we could come up with. Yeah. That the force is just Scientology. Pretty much, yeah. But so, it's not psychometry? No, that is a real one. Is it force taste? Because that sounds stupid. Ding, ding, ding. All right! It sounded extra stupid, and you knew it. Because I can't see how that would be useful. I guess if you were trying to detect, detect like trace amounts of poison, but it doesn't matter because you can already neutralize poison with your control powers. Joanna, you are doing so good. You are two for two right now. All right. Now the next one. Yes. Is a very long list. Okay. Alter has, count them, 60 powers within it. So please, as I list them, do stop me and ask me if any of them are intriguing to you or you question their validity. Okay. Because... There's a lot. All right, I'm ready. And by the end of it, the word force will mean nothing to you because I'm going to keep saying it in front of every power. Here goes. Alter. Alter damage. Alter image. Alter environment. Animal friendship. (laughs) Stop! Animal friendship? That's a real one. Animal friendship is real? Yes, Jedi can can befriend animals. I like how it's not just you're soothing the animal or taming the animal. Like, you are forming a bond of friendship with the animal. You are friends. Like a mutually beneficial relationship with this animal. Force buddies. I mean, that's what it is. All right. Okay, but that one's real. That is a real one. All right, keep going. Art of the small. Shut up. You made that up. That's a real one. No. There's no way art of the small is a real thing. Let me read what it does. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Those who master art of the small may shrink their presence in the force to a microscopic size. While in this state, the user can operate molecules in any way they wanted, turning them into something completely different. But that's not like it's their force presence becomes small. Not their physical body. But their force... I'm sorry? But then how can they see the individual molecules? It's the force, dude. It's all about feeling in the force. You can just feel that you're assembling like a like a peptide? Yeah. That is really stupid. We're only in the 80s, Joanna. We have many more to go. <laughs> oh my god, I've already stopped you twice. Combustion. Dark transfer. Deadly sight. Doppelganger. Drain knowledge. Droid disable. Electric judgment. Force bellow. Wait, 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 oh wow, wait, 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 two in a row there. Electric judgment? It's what it sounds like. Like? Well, it's basically the light side version of force lightning. And instead of blue lightning, it makes yellow or green. So how is it light? I don't understand how it's light-sided, though. Because it's essentially the same thing, just the color's different. So how is that objectively more light-sided than force lightning? Because you use it for good. That's... And embrace your heroic and good side, not your anger and your, your... So what if you think you're using it for good and it comes out blue and you're like, shit! Oh, then you guess you need to re, uh, re-figure your, your priorities there and, like, your... It's your whole force get-up. I don't know. All right. It's heavy. It's heavy. Force bellow. <laughs> Yeah, no. Well, okay, so basically you yell really loud. Basically. So, uh, you could say that in, uh, you remember in A New Hope, uh, Luke gets knocked out by the sand people, and Obi-Wan comes and makes that big like, noise. Yeah. And scares him away. That's Force like, Bellow? That be a Force Bellow, yeah. I thought that was just him imitating an animal. He's Im- imitating a crate dragon, but it's also a Force Bellow. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Force Fear. Force Horror. Force Insanity. Force Flash. Force Flight. Force Illusion. 
Force Jump. Force Lightning, which specifies organic limbs and extremities are required. And that's why Darth Vader can't do it, because he lost his oh, arms. Oh, so that's why they had to write that in there mm-hmm. to explain. Okay, okay, okay. Force Orb, Force Persuasion, <laughs> Force Projection, Force Pull, Force Push, Force Scream, Force Stun, Force Slow, Force Affliction, Force Plague, Force Storm, in parentheses, Wormhole. Force subjugate. Wait, 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 So Force Storm is making a wormhole? Yeah. They can make a wormhole? Again, Jedi, like, think about the Force, Joanna, is that it does whatever the writer needs it to be no, able I'm to do. No, I'm sorry, though. If you can make a wormhole, you have essentially become God. There's no way you can be wiped out by Order 626 or whatever it was, because... 66, 66. You can bend space and time. So how are they ever taken out if they can make wormholes? Well, not all... Some of these are very specific force powers, I should mention. Not every Jedi or Sith can learn these. Well, thank God for that. Some of them are very specific techniques thank to God one user. I, I agree. If, if they can do things like that, I agree the Jedi should be wiped out. They are too powerful. Okay, you fascist. Force subjugate. Force suppression. Force breach. Force throw. Force travel. Force wave. Force repulse. Force weapon... Force Whirlwind, Force Whisper, Pyrokinesis. Wait, what's Force Whisper? Whispering. Like, hey! Yeah. Like, kind of like when you yell whisper? Like, I think so, yeah. I honestly don't know what that one is, but... it's toilet paper's not It's real. It's a real thing. Just hear it out. That's a real one. Okay, all right. Pyrokinesis. Yes. Force Wound, Force Choke, Force Grip, Force Crush, Kinetite, Levitation, Malatia, Mechuderu, uh, Midichlorium Manipulation. Mind control. Mind trick, also known as effect mind. Mind probe, protection bubble, plant surge, revitalize, sever force, Sith alchemy, spear of midnight black. No, that's the one you made up. That is absolutely the one you made up. There is no spear of midnight black. Are you serious? It is a real dark side power. It makes a magic evil energy spear. It sounds like a black exploitation movie. No, that's a real one. Oh my god. Spirit transference, telekinesis, teleportation. Torture by chagrin. What? It's just such a... I didn't find a definition for that one. <laughs> so but... people are... What does that mean? So they're, they're tortured by being really embarrassed? Tortured by chagrin. I didn't, I didn't definitely define that one, but uh, it's a real one. I, I guess. We're in the home stretch here, Joanna. we got right, five okay, left. I'm ready. Thought bomb. Revelation. Dampen presence. Conceal other. Cleanse mind. Honestly, I'm at a loss on this one because there were so many that sounded... So stupid. And all the ones, I guess, ended up being real. Well, here's the prestige, Joanna. Those were all real. I did not put any fake Are you serious? Those are all real force powers. Those are all real. Now, there is a disclaimer at the bottom. There's some some extra stuff here. Okay. Uh, Note that some powers, although they have multiple names, are describing the same power, but in different ways of use. Oh... It is also important to note that the rigidity of the above system merely reflects the various game design and storytelling strategies as opposed to some actual delineation. Because a lot of these are from games and RPGs and stuff. Yeah, no, they, they sound like it. It sounds like a list of D&D spells. Yes, it absolutely does. And lastly, this is my favorite part of the, of the behind-the-scenes bit, or like the, the disclaimers. Despite its name, the Force Kick is highly unlikely to be a power. Do you know about the Force Kick? <laughs> Wait, sorry! It's unlikely that you'll kick people? No, there's the Force Kick. It's, it happens in, in Return of the Jedi. There's a force kick in that movie. So if you remember, at the beginning, they're, they're on Jabba's sail barge. Yeah. And Luke is fighting off all of Jabba's guys. Yes. And there's one he kicks in the face. Oh, and the stop it! It doesn't actually connect. It does not connect. Some people are like, oh, it's a force kick? That is a big heated debate in the Star Wars fandom, if the force kick was actually a power. 
I mean, you could force everything else. It's highly unlikely, despite its name. If you can literally torture people using chagrin, then why can't you kick them? There's an entire article on this wiki about force kick. It, it, is, it is dynamite. And you can see an animated gif of Luke kicking a guy without his foot touching his face, which I believe is the force. So I want to end this lesson with a little quote from George Lucas. Okay. The mastermind behind the Star Wars. Sure. Movie wizard. And I can't do a great George Lucas voice, but I'm just going to read it. Okay. Okay. The Force evolved out of various developments of character and plot. I wanted the concept of a religion based on the premise that there is a god and there is a good and evil. I began to distill the essence of all religions to what I thought was the basic idea common to all religions and common to primitive thinking. I wanted to develop something that was non-denominational, but still had a kind of religious reality. So he combined all the religions. I just wonder which one gave him uh, Force Wormholes. That's got to be Scientology. It's got to be, right? I think if that's if you reach, like, you know, OT-12 or whatever, that's when they reveal it to you. It's probably when they give you the art of the small, too. Oh, yeah. And then OT-15 is when they reveal that force kicking is not a thing. Absolutely. So that's my my lesson on the force. You got two out of two. The third one doesn't count because I tricked you. So good job, Joanne. So really, I'm kind of better at Star Wars than you are, is what you're saying. That's basically what I'm All saying. right, That's podcast a- over. He's taught me everything. The, oh. the, the student has become the master. Just like Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Okay. It's like poetry, it rhymes. It does. Oh, before I'm done with the Star Wars section, I wanted to continue our, our descent into the Star Wars Lord of the Rings connection. Because, Joanna, uh, there's one that I found. It's kind of a loose thread, but I'm going to pull on it anyway and tell you about it. See what unravels. Did you know yeah. that in the Star Wars universe, there is an Arda system, which has three planets. <gasps> Arda 1, Arda 2, and Arda 3, where humans are the only known colonists. No. Yes. For real? Yeah. But no elves and dwarves, though. No. And the thing about these planets, like, not very well developed. Arda 1 comes from, there was uh, an adventure of the starter set for the Fantasy Flight Star Wars role-playing game. Arda 1. Onslaught of Arda 1. Arda 1 is like a desert planet with a rebel base. Arda 2 is another one from the comics. And Arda 3, basically nothing happened there. So, so is I'm, Endor in the Arda system? I'm, no, it's not. They're in separate, they're both in the Outer Rim. But they're in separate sections of the galaxy. But they're both in the Outer Rim. They're both in the Outer Rim. So I'm going to further this this line of inquiry. I'm going to do some Endor research and fill you in next time. Okay. Sound good? Because they've got to be connected. They are. Occam's Razor. Occam's Razor. If the same name is in two series, then it's the same place. I agree. Well, so- before we end... Yeah, we got some plugs, it sounds like. Well, yeah, we, I'd like to give a give a shout-out to a couple of podcasts that I've been listening to. I, I listen to them, too, and they're, they're very fun. Yes. So, uh, the first one that I would like to recommend is called News Goblins. News Goblins? News Goblins. Tell me about News Goblins. Well, it is actually hosted by a friend of mine from high school. Oh, that's cool. Believe it or not. Her name is Leslie. She and her partner, Jared, give you the rundown of pretty much anything you could want to know in the world of uh, pop culture and general nerdery. So people who like this podcast would probably like that one. I imagine so. And they do discuss Lord of the Rings. So in episode five, which I recently listened to, they Mm -hmm. discuss the upcoming Amazon TV series, which I have some things to say about that, but we'll put that off to a later date. I mean, I'm really glad this podcast exists because there's so many fake news goblins out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's good to have a news goblin source that you can uh, rely on. uh, Did you know that Goku gonna be in the new Smash Brothers? My uncle told me because he watched Nintendo. I'm a real good news goblin. But these are genuine. And you know what? Most news goblins, not even hosted by actual goblins. No, really, I'm a real goblin. I'm a real news goblin. Let me in. This podcast is hosted by real goblins. You should check it out. They know their stuff, and uh, they are not afraid to analyze the art that they love. Very cool. And you can find News Goblins at newsgoblins.com, so check it out. Very good. The other podcast we have to plug is from your coworker Eric. Yep. 
Joanna. Eric. Uh, him and his brother do a podcast called Vertiguys, which is about Vertigo Comics. Uh, I listened to it. It was very good. Um, hold on. Someone's at the door. Hold on. Oh, hold on. Yes? Am I allowed to come in? Who, who, who's that? Who's there? It is I, Neil Gaiman. Oh my God! It's truly me. It's me, the writer, storyteller, and dark dreamer, Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman, how how did you find us? Well, I heard you were talking about Vertigo Comics. Have you read me comics? Uh, I have. I read all of Sandman. I I, I adore it. Well, the boys at the old Vertigo's talk about it, and I do quite enjoy it. When I'm traveling around the world experiencing dark, fantastical things, I often listen to it. Because they talk about other things, like John Constantine Hellblazer and Preacher. Oh my god, those are both super good series. Yes. Neil, I'm, I'm just so chuffed that you came here to share that with us. And that's a huge commendation for Vertigo's. Absolutely, listen to it. Okay, very good. I'm looking at my, my whimsical pocket watch. I have a place to be now. I must step through a portal. As I follow a, a cat with an unspeakable name to my next destination. Oh, okay. Bye, Neil. Thanks for stopping by. Goodbye. Oh, my God. That was Neil Gaiman. Can I come back in? Ryan. Yeah. yeah come yeah. back in. Neil Gaiman sent me out in the hallway, so... He wouldn't let you be in here at the same time as No, him? no, no, no. That's just too much machismo in one room, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, you can listen to their podcast. It's uh, Vertiguys, and that's at uh, the Blueberry. We can link it in our in our description. It's like a podcast hosting site. So that's our show, Joanna. Uh, anything you want to say to our wonderful listeners before we sign off here? Yes. Next week, we're going to be talking about trees. And I have a little jingle to get you all primed and ready for it. Well... Let's hear it. Let's go to the jingle. Trees, trees, colonies are the day foundations. That's the word across the nation about trees. Trees are terrific. <laughs>